Hello, welcome to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. I'm Roy Shanahan and you are... Mr. David Bogle. David Bogle. Talk again, Dave. Mr. David Bogle. Okay, that's it. You're all right. You're all right. I didn't think I could hear you there for I a second. I can't hear me. But you anyway. can't hear you. Talk again. Yep, there you go. There you go, okay. Dave. Shane Lowry. Who's he when he's at home? He is a piss head. <laughs> the local piss head. <laughs> it's all gone to his head. It's all gone to his head. <laughs> He'll win nothing again. Yeah, he's at nothing. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, great last week, wasn't it? Uh, the whole week, like, to go Thursday to Sunday, for anybody, we go bananas about it. And if it was Tiger and any of them, but it was phenomenal. Like, Rich Beam was close to tears. Like yeah. He just couldn't get over it. He couldn't get over the reception. The walking up the 18th was phenomenal. Like three or four times the goosebumps, the hairs, the back of your neck, everything. It was just super to watch. And you like to see good things happen to good people. And he's definitely comes across as one of the good ones. And by all accounts, he is. And you see him and all the partying on the Sunday into Tuesday when he finally got home to Clare. So it was just a different gravy. It just felt like... I know for us, Italian 90 is always the, yeah. the, the one you look back at as yeah. a big party. But it just looked like it was the old scenes again. People going out and celebrating Like something. Harrington's wins were superb. Yeah. And as well as McElroy's. But the, I think the fact that being in Portrush and being in the island of Ireland just gave it that little something. And then who he was. Yeah. Like he wouldn't necessarily be on the top of your list when they're coming up to the majors. No. You just go, hope he does well. Hope he shows up. Hope he's in the top 10. Good finish. But to do what he did and as impressive as he was, it was super. Sunday or Saturday, we, we talked about this already. Saturday was impressive, but Sunday was really impressive to keep us cool. It was a tough day. Even though it probably was... There wasn't too many who shot two or three under. Like, no. yeah, everyone was around the level par and a couple of shots worse. And he just stuck around. And, and it was basically, you have to pull something out of the bag to beat me. Yeah. And none of them did. Yeah. He just went straight down the middle, not on the course, but just in his thoughts. I'll just keep it slow and steady. Don't do it too risky. And let them do something special. And didn't happen. Definitely not down the middle as that wind was causing. Yeah. And, hassle, and, and with the conditions the way it was, mm. he knew, Jesus, if I shoot par here, no one's going to touch me. Yeah. And he was just off. Wasn't yeah. he? Was he just off? Did he shoot one over? One over. Yeah. And that's it. And he still won by six. Yeah. So that says it. It was phenomenal to see. Brilliant. And hopefully we'll see him again this year sometime playing a bit <laughs> so, of golf. <laughs> he might be ready for a dare manner in 2026. <laughs> yes. And we'll talk about that a little later on. Dave, who have we got on the show today? Ah, we've got the one and only Stephen Henderson, ex-Cove Ramblers from the last couple of months. And obviously, uh, uh, ex-League of Ireland footballer himself and now uh, been managing the last 20 years or so. And he's now taken up the role of Shelburne's uh, head of youth academy. So we'll have him on to talk about his own career, managerial career, and obviously going into the new... League of Ireland underage setup uh, and seeing the fruits that that's been bearing for the last two years. So it'll be an interesting chat. Yeah, the ins and outs. Okay, we're going to have a song. What have you picked today, Talk Dave? Talk for one second. The good man. There you go. This is uh, Dublin's own Fontaine's DC and this is Boys in the Betterland. Brilliant.
and welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. Joining us on the line, we're delighted to have former Waterford United and Cove Ramblers manager Stephen Henderson to discuss his pattern football and basically all things football. Stephen, welcome to the big kickoff. Uh, thanks, Ray. Much appreciated, my friend. No problem. Listen, he said, uh, you played uh, played football for a few years now, uh, obviously stopped now, but you've gone through a few clubs, Shelbourne, Dundalk, Limerick, Lisbon. I don't know if I can go through this list, Stephen. It's a lot of clubs. Have boots, we'll travel. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I've got to go quickly through your career, so a few quick questions. Who are the best fans and why? Who are the best fans in terms of who I played for? Yeah. Uh, that's a very question. Just again, again, um, go on. You see, you're right there now. I've had a lot of clubs and I had great times up the north with Distillery and Ard. Uh, down, down south, obviously, uh, my best times were, were with Cove Ramblers. I really love Cove Ramblers. Uh, it, was a, it was a great time for me down there. But, you know, in general, I think League of Ireland supporters are very unique, and that's the truth. Uh, Ray, that's, uh, you know, everywhere you go, there's a, they're, they're great characters. Uh, they give you a stick, but at the end of the match, you know you have a good you have a good chat with them, and that was as a player, and it's the same now as a manager. So, uh, you know, I think the crowds now, thank God, are starting to pick up again in the League of Ireland. So, so that kind of intimacy has probably been lost now because there's too many of them. <laughs> Listen, uh, the lads are giving me stick here because you're calling me Ray, so I, I better tell you it's Roy. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're making funny faces at me and they put me off. <laughs> Listen, who was sorry? Who's your who's the best manager you played under? Best manager I played under. I have to say, Georgie Mellorich, right? Because he's your father-in-law. But I say, um, you know, I've, I've been fortunate in terms of who I played under. I said Roy Coyle was one of the most successful managers up in Northern Ireland. Till, uh, I think they definitely took over in terms of trophies won. I was fortunate to play with Torlock O'Connor. Mm. Uh, you know, I've, I've been fortunate. I played some really good ones, but I suppose Roy Coyle and Georgie, they were, they were, they were very unique characters, and uh, I learned a lot from both of them. To be really honest with you. What about best coach? Um, who have you, le- who have you learned off most? And because uh, everyone who's a coach, uh, I coach a little bit, and there's a couple of people that you take a lot of information off, you know, and then there's others that you t- take little golden nuggets off. But who would be that person that you would have took a lot of information from? I'd have to say Billy Young when I started out. Billy Young got me on the coaching ladder. Uh, himself and Tom O'Connor, who's an FAI coach there now. Uh, I think in terms of the coaching aspect and, and, and learning how to coach and coach properly, uh, back in the 90s it was, um, you know, I think Billy, Billy was absolutely brilliant. He was someone you could sit down and talk to all day about football. Uh, and then Tom is someone that you could watch and learn from. Uh, you know, but so in terms of those coaching uh, aspects of it definitely Billy Young and, and Tom O'Connor would have been two people who were great for me oh, what, uh, what, si- what side of the coaching did you take a shine to what was it that you liked about their coaching um, I liked what it done for me as a player I could see I was still playing I was playing for art and um, I, I, was, uh, I was I was doing this first course with Billy Young and um, you know the coaching thing I hadn't really taken off in Ireland back then so uh, so when, when we start going out and we start going through the different elements of uh, and breaking the game down, it actually made me better as a player. Yeah. And I've seen, I seen the benefits of it, uh, you know. So, uh, you know, I, I just like the idea that, that this can help me improve as a player. And if I got this right, I could help other players improve. Yeah. So, uh, so it was that aspect of it and just the structure that it gave you to training sessions, you know. Yeah, it's Great. just a bit of belief in behind, behind what they were saying. 
yeah, what, t- what type of personality were you in the dressing room? I was a bit mad, you know. <laughs> I'm not surprised <laughs> about that one, Steve. <laughs> no, you know, like, I, I, you know, I, 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 I think I always try to encourage people as best I could. Um, but I think I probably would have lost the plot now if people didn't, uh, you know, people didn't hold their hand up. Um, you know, I think I was probably too honest on myself sometimes, mm. probably detrimental to me. But uh, I, in general, I, I would have thought it was a quite, a, I was quite quiet. Uh, but at times, I, I probably lose the plot a little bit too much. But, uh, in general, I think I was not, I was normally good for the dressing room. I certainly wasn't a disruptive character. I certainly didn't uh, make uh, life hard for a manager. Yeah. I probably made it a bit too easy at times, to be honest with you. <laughs> you have to, you have to, you general, have to say that I was that a good lad to have around the place in general. Yeah. Yeah. Most memorable moment for you personally or as a team? Um, you know, I suppose, uh, I think... Back in uh, 2007 with Cove Ramblers, we won the league. Um, that was a huge achievement. It was the fourth time Ramblers had ever won anything in, in, in League of Ireland football. Yeah. Um, so that, that was really, you know, that was a very special night. It was a very special season. We're, we're a really remarkable group of players. Uh, you know, everybody came together. And uh, that night and that loan is something that would stick with you. But, I, you know, I think uh, last year we played this phenomenal Dundalk side in, in the semi-final DA Sports Cup and we bet them 1-0. I think that has to be up there with one of the most special nights as well, you know, because um, just basically because we are an amateur club playing against probably the best team this country has ever seen. Yeah. I mean, from the start of the league, they're absolutely phenomenal. They had about six or seven regulars in the team, but their squad is phenomenal. So, so to win that night and to get ourselves into the final, again, that was the fourth final Ramblers were ever in. Uh, national final in, in League of Ireland football so to be part of two really uh, exciting times for the club uh, yeah they, they stick out What about your worst this is your last question on this worst moment as a player i tell you what now right? um, <laughs> it's something I still have nightmares about uh, I was playing for Shelbourne when I was a young player and um, it was we were playing down in Terryland Park in Galway and we lost five nil. I'm sure. I'm sure I was, I was at fault for the five goals. <laughs> I was at, I genuinely I was absolutely horrendous that day. Was, was it bad conditions, or were you just you just weren't at it? It was well. The conditions were horrendous. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so you're not taking full blame. The conditions were horrendous. That's the guy's honest truth. And and the, and the dressing rooms in Thailand Park at the time would hold about five people. Geez, you're very precious, yeah. aren't you? Uh, you're very precious. <laughs> but, uh, but that, that match actually I packed in football for a year after I just said nah this, 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 this can't be the best thing that I need a break from this yeah, yeah that, that was horrendous that was a horrendous point uh, Dave has an update for you there just to let you know Roberto Lopez is at it again Rovers are now 2-1 up against Apollo and Limassol oh right? my god that's, that's, that's brilliant that is this is uh, super you know, they're out letting the goal in early, like from dark last night. Yeah. And uh, so it's brilliant that they're out there coming back like that now. Uh, hopefully they go and get another one. Absolutely. Fingers crossed. Listen, when you finished football, then you went you went straight into coaching with Cork City, didn't you? Uh, no, what I done was I moved down to Cove. Um, when I, uh, what's it called? I took over Begsbury in the AUL they were in at the time. Yeah. Uh, after I left. In football, I had a back injury at the time and I couldn't continue playing, so I took over Bagsworth for a few weeks or a few months and then I moved down to Cork. 
And then, as you say, then, uh, what's it called? Uh, I met Pat Dolan down here. He was with Cork City at the time, and I went in there uh, as a goalkeeping coach initially, but he knew I'd done my badges, so I started doing a bit of coaching with the team then as well. And uh, I really enjoyed that. Pat is Pat's a fantastic character. He's larger than life. Um, you know, he's a very passionate man. He's a very motivational man. Uh, and again, you're talking about picking up things, and I see, I seen Pat, and I seen how he was with players, and you know, he was brilliant to be around and brilliant to, to learn from. So uh, when the call came from Amber's, would I be interested in the job? I just felt that you know, between doing me coaching by just between the playing career, um, you know, I, I actually learned an awful lot with Bakeford in terms of players and and and, and attitudes and stuff like that. And then the motivational side of it from Pat. So I, I felt that I, I'd done a, you know, I'd done enough. To let's let's go and have a try and put all this together now and see what we can do at Ramblers. So so after Ramblers I went. And did you always have like when you were playing? Did you always have one eye on management? Never. Never coaching. Never. No, it was never something that crossed my mind. I just love playing football. Do you know what I mean? I I, I did. I just genuinely love football. And as you said at the start there. You know, there's a lot of clubs there. I actually didn't really care who I played for or, yeah. or where they were. You know, if, if it was, you know, if it was in the Premier League. If it was the top league, someone wanted me. I went there, yeah. and I just loved playing football. Um, come, the coaching end of it just literally came when I started talking to Billy Young, and uh, and I started watching what Tom was doing on the field. It started it. That's when it started to interest me. It really started to interest me. Actually, I think Home Farm job came up. Yeah, I think when Home Farm, I think I applied for that. Just out of curiosity to see what would happen. Obviously, I didn't get that. <laughs> but uh, that's, that, that's when the real kind of interest in, in coaching, uh, when I went to that, and as I sat down and I spoke to Billy Young and I spoke to Tom and I started to get a real, I started to think about the game more. I was very much a goalkeeper who wanted to be involved uh, in games. You know what I mean? I wanted to be making saves. I wanted to be doing this and doing that. And by the time I finished the coaching course, I realised that, you know, I should be organising <laughs> better in front of me so they're not getting so much to do you know so it was that kind of turn around and, but definitely from, from Billy and, and Tom that's, that's, that's when I started the thing hang on I might give this a go it's an interesting point though. should players who are playing football at a, young, a younger level as in in around their 20s or whatever it is even for League of Ireland or, or across the world or whatever, should they go in dabble in coaching Coaching badges and basic like badges. That. Yeah, just to get a, a different outlook on, on how they play. 100%. Yeah. I, I, I think if the opportunity comes comes for them, to, and I think a lot of them are doing it. In fairness to uh, the PFEI, I think they're, they're getting an awful lot of the players on, on their coaching courses because I think players are starting to, to realise, you know, they've always realised, not that they're making much money in League of Ireland, but I think in terms of, of your improvement as a player, I think I said that to you, when, when I started doing the coaching, I started to understand the game better. Yeah. And I started to understand uh, the movement of other players better, um, you know, and, and the structure of the team. And I, it, it certainly helped me as a player, and I've certainly seen other players uh, starting to improve. And now who wouldn't ask questions, start to ask questions. And when you ask questions, you get answers. And when you get answers, you, yeah. start to, you start to learn. You probably get and more I questions. Think, <laughs> I think absolutely right. I think any young player who has an opportunity to get into the coaching, get into it, um, even if they're not in, in, want to be a coach, it just certainly will and help, help you improve as a player. It, it's definitely worth it. Uh, I think a lot of them are doing it. It's definitely, it's definitely a great idea for them if they can. Did you, when you went to Cove and you went for the interview for their uh, first team, 
management job. What's the process like down in Cove for for a manager to to interview for it? Um, but, well, down and now it's, it's committee based. So there's a there's a chairman there, obviously, and then there's a there's a committee that that's around that. Um, obviously, you'd have to do your due diligence before you go to it. Not just Cove Ramblers, but any football club. Uh, you know, you have to go and do your due diligence and find out what. What, what have they achieved over, I suppose, over the last five to ten years? I think you need to go back that far. Uh, are they a team that challenges uh, for, for trophies? Are they a team that, uh, you know, that promotes youth through the ranks? Are they a team that's mid-table that every so often they hit a court? I think you've got to understand what, what the club is and what the culture of the club is about. And, and I've done a bit of background on that. Um, but not just for the, because I had played for them as well. So I, I kind of knew... Uh, a lot about them at the time, but I still don't. I still don't research, and I still wanted to see where they had been over the last few years. So I think I think you have to go into the interviews, and you have to be positive uh, because you are talking. I think you're talking to about eight people that night. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and yeah. Stephen, how come you didn't know they hadn't got a washing machine? Well, that only happened this year. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like then? <laughs> uh, well, they, had, they had the whole, whole room for the washing back then. <laughs> What's the difference between uh, Stephen Henderson, the player, and the manager? I, I'm certainly a much more thoughtful. I'm certainly uh, I'm much more aware of the people around me, uh, especially as a goalkeeper. It's very much been about being an individual. Obviously, um, being a manager, it's about individuals. And um, that's that's pretty much what it was. I think I think you know I, I didn't get into uh, international teams, and I, and I think you have to be aware of the people, and you have to get people who didn't make that, and uh, and try and give them the confidence to uh, you know forget about that. This is that was then. This is now. So I, I think I became more aware of people and people's needs, and uh, you know I, I I always rooted for the underdog. To be honest with you, mainly because I was probably one on my own, like. Yeah. Uh, so, so in that context, as as a player, I was very much an individual. But that was more in terms of the position as well. It was such an individual position. Uh, but obviously, when I go into management now, you know the players will be everything that I focus on, and I do anything for the players. I did when I was in management, and and I'll continue to do that if I ever went by. And like since when you first started, and to just when you just finished there in the last month or two, has the style of managing you have to have a few more hats on you now where before it might have been one size fits all or the majority of the group. Do you find you have to have a different hat now for more groups of people in the in, in, in the game now? Yeah, and Jordan the game itself. No, it? just in general with the lads and treating them and the stuff. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying they're more, well, they're a bit more sensitive, I suppose, but you find like back in the day it would have been more one style exactly. would suit them all, but now do you have to have your a couple of different hats on? Yeah, yeah you have to. Yeah, uh, I think I was like that anyway because uh, you know my idol was my father, and yeah. uh, I seen him. I worked with my dad in 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 uh, factory in in Dublin for for a long time, and he was a manager there. And I seen how he treated people. So, uh, you know, I think from from day one there, there was a time when you go in the dressing room and you could you could kind of let rip, I suppose, and mm. you could you know lose the plot and punch wild, which was never a good idea because I broke my finger twice. <laughs> You know, it's just, it's just not, you know, you can't, I don't think you can do that. Now, there are one or two players, but certainly, um, 
there is a shift in terms of the personality of, of the upcoming player now. Um, you know, you, I think you have to understand their needs, you have to understand their situations, and you have to understand how you talk to them. Mm. Uh, there, are still, there is still that player that needs a rocket yeah. without a shadow, but the majority of the players now, they just need to be told what they're doing wrong and do it in a constructive manner. And, uh, you know, I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. There, there is an element of psychology. You know, I actually brought a psychologist into call. And, uh, you know, because I could see that the players were coming in and you could maybe tell when there was something wrong and it wasn't football related. So, you know, there's only so much we can do as a manager. Mm. Uh, so when the opportunity came to get a psychologist in, I dived on it. And I just told the players, any issues, go to him. He's not going to come to me, but no. talk to somebody. Yeah. Uh, you know, because there's an awful lot of suicide going on, there's an awful lot of depression yeah. going on, there's an awful lot of stuff that just wasn't around in our day. I probably was, just nobody spoke about it. Sure. Now everybody is speaking about it, and that's great. But, uh, you know, but we need people who have the qualifications to be able to, to, to be there for these young people and be able to talk to them. And, uh, you know, I got that, that, that's a really, really important part of management now, yeah. I believe, these days, that not only do you have to single good players but you have to know the player and you have to understand yeah. the player yeah. uh, every coach or, or or manager I suppose has their philosophy how they want their team to play but how hard is it to implement your ideas you're not Man City so you're not able to buy the players in to fit your system so how hard was it with I don't know Waterford you seem to do a good job So, but how hard is it to have a philosophy or do you have to sort of work around your philosophy or your well, thoughts. yeah, when well, you see, you're 100 there. It's very, it's very hard to say this is the way I want to play, uh, especially when you don't have the money to do it. Mm. Uh, you know, so so essentially, what I've always tried to do is uh, look for look for for good players uh, in certain positions, and and you know because of um, especially with Rambers, uh, the last few years we've been amateur, uh, we really looked at the young players, and um, and I've not only it's not about. I didn't want to make it about myself. I didn't want this nonsense that like, look, he tries to play football, and you know they do this and they do that, and they're getting beaten 4-0 every week. We didn't want that. Yeah. Uh, we wanted to play a certain brand of football. We wanted to get the certain players in. Uh, you know, but I wanted them to be hired to be. Now, sometimes you get criticised for that, but but that, I don't. I make no apologies for that. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, you know when you have a young team or when you when you're in a club that that, that money is scarce. Uh, I think you still have an obligation to the people who spend the ten pound, ten euro coming in the gate uh, for your team to be organised, disciplined, and have a will to win. Uh, you know, I, I never got teams to hoof the ball. Uh, that's not something that I, I'd be big on. We certainly did try to play, uh, but I wouldn't be saying go and play and uh, all the time and don't be. You know, down in Rambler, it's very hard to play out from the back. The pitch was in an awful state. Yeah. Uh, you know, but like, obviously if a team drops off 20 yards, you can play the ball out. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, so it's really hard to put a philosophy on it. I think basically what I used to do was just get as many good players as I could, uh, have a look at them in uh, pre-season, and then formulate a system around the players that are brought in and uh, try and implement it that suited them, not me. Yeah, hence why you've, you've done so well. The under-19s putting some great performances in the Euros over the last couple of weeks uh, with some... Definitely some exciting talent on show. And also the League of Ireland level of play, probably over the last 10 years or so, has continued to rise. So who, who should get the credit for the standards rising in Ireland? Well, the, the people who get the most criticism, which are the coaches that I would do that, I say, like, uh, if you look at Tom Owen, Tom Owen is sensational. He's, he's 
not only is he a sensational young coach, he's a fantastic human being. Uh, and there's lots of them in that FAI. Uh, Colin O'Brien has done a great job. Paul Oldham has done a great job. Uh, you know, these are good people with a great football brain to play at the highest level. Uh, but are but now uh, qualified at the highest level, but able to bring that football now, that experience they've had as footballers, and apply that in a coaching uh, structure that, that suits the Irish player. Uh, Rude will get a lot of credit because of the emerging talent and, and identifying certain elements of that. But, uh, you know, but we cannot ever take away from the schoolboy clubs who, who, who give these kids their best. Mm. You know what I mean? They, you know, I'm in Charles now and we've, we've identified, as suppose everybody does, that the academy is the most important element of this club, that we have to allow players there to express themselves, enjoy themselves. They cannot be overcoached. And we have to give them that environment to grow. And I think uh, a lot of the clubs within around the country here, in Dublin, in Cork, Donegal, everywhere, who, you know, they deserve an awful lot of credit for, the, for you know, how well these Irish teams are doing. But they can only take them to a certain level, and then you're trusting the coaches within the international setup to take them to the next level. And I think all the coaches within the FAI, the international, Jason down the 15, have, have done a remarkable job. But it's all based on what's happened at the level, and that's a credit to all the clubs down there. Yeah. And obviously, you're talking about the coaches within the FAI, but coming a little bit back to the League of Ireland, what do you make of the kind of overall support from the FAI within the league? Has it improved over the years or is it much of the same? No, it's been horrendous. And that's yeah. built like, uh, you know, there's been no support. Uh, I think that's why we find, we're finding out, you know, why yeah. there was no support. You know, and, uh, you know, it was very hard for people like myself. I, I, I love League of Ireland football. And like I said, a lot of that comes from as a player. You get to know uh, the people who go to these grounds, uh, you, you know, you develop a really good relationship with them. And uh, there's so many people who suffer with volunteer absolute mm. they're knackered from it. Yeah. And that's not the way clubs should be run. Uh, we've been crying out to, to the FBI, look, you have this league, you know, let's invest in it. We're not looking for money for players, we're looking to invest in it. If you look at uh, Samrock Rovers, look at Samrock Rovers uh, the other night in your the place was absolutely hopping. The, mm-hmm. the stadium looked magnificent. And you're sitting there and you're saying, oh my God, this is what League of Ireland football could be like. Yeah. If you look at Daily Mountain, you see them, 2,500 people. They now have 2,500 people to die hard. And if you look across the other side of the pitch, it's sterilized. And it's disgusting yeah. to look at. And <clears throat> it's really, you know, if you just say, I know she's getting done up, but like, if our grounds are up to a standard, you know, we can get the die hard in. But we can also attract the people. You know, come, the yeah. People, yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. That uh, what's that? But they want a nice environment to sit in. They want a nice stadium to sit in. They want a nice match day experience. Yes, we have had this for ten, twelve years, and there's been no progress. Uh, the clubs, you know, pay pay more to stay in it than they do if they win stuff in it. Uh, but hopefully now, with all the change that's going on, uh, we've already that the, the League of Ireland has to be the top of the pyramid here. But it's something that has to people have to be proud of. It's something that kids have to aspire to. Uh, you can bring them into, you know, bring them into certain grounds of this country, and you know these kids will not aspire to play in that stadium. Uh, and that's what we have to do. We have to open their eyes, uh, put money in, because the the, the style of play and the, and the type of play is, is, has improved tenfold. From dark at the kingmakers, you look at yeah. Shamrock Rovers are playing some fantastic football. 
Cork are going through a they're having a different period at this moment in time. Pat will always excite you. Uh, UCD are down the bottom of the league. But I guarantee you, you go to UCD match and you come away and you, you will have enjoyed Joy it. And, but that, all the clubs have done this. You know what I mean? The clubs have done this. And you keep saying to yourself, my God, if, if people just had have invested yeah. in this league, you know, we would have a proper football industry now. We would have full-time professionals. We would have jobs for coaches, for managers, for sports scientists, for strength and conditioning coaches. We'd have a proper industry creating jobs. And we'd have a fantastic venue for people to go and enjoy their weekends, watching their favourite local team, rather than spending millions going over to England. True. And obviously with the presentations that were there a week or two ago with several groups, one of them being Noel Quinn's, are they all pie in the sky and just win a bit of window dressing to look like they're doing something or is there genuine promise with what these guys are proposing? Yeah, I think there's genuine promise there. I was very sceptical myself until I listened to it, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there, there was two options there, obviously, uh, you know, and uh, the, the All-Ireland one uh, looks really attractive. Hmm. Uh, but, the, but the people that Noel had with him, uh, Noel Quinn, his group, you, you, you were sitting there and you were saying, my God, if this group were running the League of Ireland, my God, they'd take us to another level. Really? <coughs> Excuse me, there's something caught in my throat there. That's okay. But uh, such is the quality of the people there and, and the range of, of skills that they had, uh, you know. But uh, the other one, the, the All-Ireland League, was really thought out really well. There was a lot, a lot of work put into it. Um, you know, I know they're meeting again. They were giving them more points for the the meat and bone on it, but you had so much meat on this already <laughs> that this kid is at that putting a lot of time and effort into it. Uh, so it's not pointing the sky. There are two groups Good. that have a plan. Uh, you know, and I think they're going to meet again in another few weeks and then come back. But it's definitely something that that you know I was sitting there and I was saying, yeah, you know, these two would excite you. They Brilliant. seem genuine about it, and and you know what. The League of Ireland deserves it. 100%. Uh, the people who have supported League of Ireland for the last 30, 40 years deserve it. The players and managers, they deserve someone to come in and show them a bit of love and show them a bit of professionalism. And let's take this league on to the next level because I tell you this, the players won't let anybody down and neither will the managers. Yeah. Just give us a hand here. That's all we're asking. Just quickly because we're going to wrap up now, Stephen, because uh, you need to get a glass of water into you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just on that Oral Ireland League is it something that the League of Ireland clubs are interested in and the clubs up the north are they both interested in this or is this just a proposal without really figuring that out well it was only presented to the League of Ireland mm. clubs at the, at the meeting really you know the League of Ireland clubs only really got to see what it was all about and uh, if you look at it in, in the terms of the money he, he was talking about uh, you know, they'd be mad not to be interested in. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think I think there's I think there is genuine interest from from both sides. Uh, my one concern was that like uh, Luther was was going on about uh, backstop uh, to suit Northern the Northern Ireland teams if, mm. if, if certain things happened, this would happen then. But there was no backstop for for League of Ireland. So in terms of what happens if the Northern Ireland, I said no, that's it we don't fancy this and then they pull out where does League of Ireland football go then yeah. what happens do we revert back and how long does it take to revert back but overall it was a fantastic um, plan he put together it was a very exciting plan he put together yeah. uh, whether did, did, did they go with it or not I, I don't know but uh, hopefully hopefully uh, 
something positive is going to come out of it because uh, obviously Niall, Niall Quinn's group were, were very, very positive as well. So, you know, we're all looking forward to the next few weeks to see what they come up with. Super. Brilliant, Stephen. Listen, thanks very much for coming on. It's been a real pleasure. And uh, you start that cough out, all right? <laughs> Sounds nasty. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm at the swallow on the flight. <laughs> Perhaps you'll die. Huh? Okay. Jeez, don't say <laughs> That's that. That's the rhyme, Mr. Ryan. <laughs> okay. Stephen, thanks very much. And we, we, we might get you on again sometime in the year again if there's any other hot topics up. Thanks, thanks a million. Cheers. Thanks, thanks very much. All about to you. Bye bye bye. Top man. Brilliant, wasn't it? Great Top interview. Man. It was one of those interviews where. You, you should be taking an ad, but you didn't really want it because it was going do so you, well. Do you stop mid-flow or whatever? You just let them go. And in fairness, most of the topics was there. But it's very interesting about the two proposals. Like, obviously, he seems to be a bit more leaning towards the All-Ireland one because whatever reason. But he at the, before he hit that, he said he was just as impressed with Niles and he said it'd take them to another level. Because yeah. the one thing I heard about Niles is more, we'll support. we let you run, but we'll support because mm-hmm. we have bucket loads of cash kind of thing. Yeah. But we'll do it in the right way. So... I'm glad he obviously was there. He's seen it, so he knows they're real and there's a potential for it to happen. So happy days. Brilliant. Okay, we'll talk to you later. You're listening to Liffy Sound on 96.4 FM. Yes, just to quickly, welcome back here to the big kickoff on 96.4 FM. It is still five minutes to go and it's 2 1 to Shamrock Rovers against Apollo Limassol. Uh, Roberto Lofa is obviously the second goal. I'm going to guess it was a corner from a header. A corner from a header from a corner, as uh, as it has been for the last while. Rangers finished two 0 against uh, uh, Progress Needlecorn, who knocked them out a couple of years ago. And uh, incredible two 0 defeat for Crusaders away to Wolves, who pretty much had everyone apart from their Mexican striker Real Jimenez playing, who's only back from uh, the Concacaf Gold Cup. So an impressive result. And I think Aberdeen drew one all earlier in the day. It was two penalties. I kind of got a glimpse of it before I came in. Were they away or home? They were away. Away. Uh, it's too far down to find yeah. uh, uh, Can you see it? The top. Against, yeah, against a team is unpronounceable. But um, yeah, so super. Hopefully they'll go. Obviously won all yesterday. Quick nod to uh, Dundalk. Great to come back oh, against They could have won it at the end. Yeah. They were in the game. That was great. Simple as that. And uh, yeah, it was unfortunate, but it is what it is. But uh, yeah. The only thing now with, and I'm not putting it down or anything, but the heat out in the other places oh. out and with Dundalk playing away and, of course, out in Cyprus with Shamrock Rovers playing away. That's going to be a factor. So, Massive. But the players are good enough. That's of course the they po- are. most positive thing of course we can get. And hopefully uh, Rovers are going to go in with an advantage. <clears throat> I'm catching Stephen's flight. So, yeah, hopefully uh, that's that's what we'll see anyway. And uh, as long as they have something to fight for, happy days. Yep. Ah, yeah. Pat one off to silly mid off. Have a sport or look good on. We'll just jump on it. If won't we're we? on Facebook Live. Golf is dead. We're now on the cricket bandwagon. At the home of English cricket and lords. Woo! Here we go. Okay. No, just keep going. I'm only joking. Yes, Ireland are in prime position for an historic victory in only their third test away to England in the home of cricket in Lords. Um, it's currently 303 for nine in their second uh, innings with England. So in the morning, a lot of pressure on the on the bottom. Like I think it's like it's two ba- uh, bowlers. So hopefully they will them out nice and quick. And at the moment they're leading by 181. Now, so if they got them out, if they got them out, they for them out about soon. Say, 320. 
Yeah, happy enough. Yeah, because a lot of people were saying it yesterday, between 180, 200 max. Mm. And they'll be quite confident because apparently it will be the fourth highest chase in Lord's history. So it's kind of a, a, it's not a high, yeah, it's tough. Basically, yeah. so yeah. listen, it's 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 a fantastic result no matter what happens, as long as they don't completely implode. But they have a cracking chance of a great win, and they've two days to do it, so there's no excuse. But uh, super stuff. Uh, Morta, one of the ballers there, it's his home ground. Not quite as much. He only had the one wicket in this inning so far, but he got a five for it in the first one. Uh, he it was like he knew what to do with it. And uh, the thing was, I was listening to certain news stations, yeah. sports news stations over in Others, England. Other stations are available. And they didn't give us a hope in hell. Oh, no. It was like Euro 88 again, where they just said, oh, listen, we're world champions. Like, all the best, much, so much respect for Mm. Ireland, but they're just going to have a chance here. Yeah. And they didn't actually know what to say on the radio then after that. Michael Vaughan came straight out yesterday and just said it was an embarrassment. Like, it was embarrassing how England could have been whittled out for 85. And... His wife is Irish. Oh yeah. Now he can. He, he was tipping his hat to Ireland, but he said England. Regard, take Ireland. The sentiment of Ireland over. He says England really need to check themselves to be whittled out for eighty-five. Um, one or two of them are being asked about. Oh, is it a bit of a hangover in the World Cup? Crap. You know, you're playing one-day cricket every four or five days for six weeks. If you're tired, it's because you've been on the bat for a year squad, and it's only four or five of the boys, so it's crap. Ireland played well. It was as simple as that. Yeah. And they probably caught them cold. So what? These things happen. And with a bit of luck, Ireland can do a job on it in the morning. Get them out nice and quick. And uh, slowly, slowly, catchy monkey and get a cracking uh, victory. And it'll just solidify the reason why they were given test status because I think there was a bit of reluctance about it. So please God now, that'll be it. And they can become a proper, proper test nation and there'll be 10 countries then and make, make it easier for us to qualify for the for the Cricket World Cups and all that kind of crack. But uh, super stuff so far. And it's just funny watching them in the fo- in all the whites and in the big old grounds. And uh, there's plenty of good support out there. And I could hear them all last night. I didn't see much of it today. And it was good. For, it was, it, it, I'd say it'd be a good weekend. Do you want else? I'm going to hit the boxing button very quickly because uh, uh, there was the unfortunate death of a guy called Dadashev from Eastern Europe last week. And I'm not even concentrating too much on that. It's the fact that Dillian White has been... Um, found to have taken performance enhancing drugs. Allegedly. Now, this is before. his po- He was tested positive on, on his Wednesday. first sample. Before. Yeah. But because the B sample was ready, he was able to fight. Now imagine he was juiced up and did some damage to that guy and he could end up in the same position as Dadashev. By all accounts, a lot of people are coming out saying, listen, we all know what goes on here. Like there's stories about the Mayweather and Pacquiao one where he was to get an injection in his hand because he injured himself, uh, Mayweather or Pacquiao, and he wasn't allowed. But Mayweather paid a boatload of money to Wada whenever a couple of weeks earlier, and he was able to get exemptions, and he was able to get one on the night of the fight as well. So it's dirty game by the sounds of, but by by the sounds of it, a lot of them are at it, and a lot of them are getting done. You're Big Baby Miller who's supposed to take on Anthony Joshua. Like there's guys who are clean probably in this sport, I presume, and there's guys who aren't. But you're there putting your body on the line, and some guy could be literally wired to the moon who won't feel pain is going to stand there and do damage to you and potentially kill you it's got to the point now where enough's enough like and they need to get stuck into this and get stuck into this badly yep. like Eddie Hearn's been very quiet today now he, and that's one of his stable it is one of his and stable. he went to town on Big Baby Miller but we don't know 100%. for sure anything so we, the first we sample failed to, yeah first time right so but this is nothing has come out no one has said this this has come out from a reputable Outlet. media outlet, mm-hmm. and he has put this out there. Now, seemingly, he said, 
someone who knows him said he wouldn't put this out unless yeah. he had something. Yeah. So it it's very disappointing. I think it'd be shut down by now if it was a silly rumour. I think so. That we would have shut it down and would have been made him do it. So I'm not taking it 100% for granted. Like I will say that 0.1% that it mightn't be true. But I think this would be well... This has been out all day. Yeah. Um, so this is like... And I'm not jumping on him. I'm jumping on boxing in general. Like this is the problem now. And this... You're putting... Like they've always put people's lives at risk. I was listening to Jason Quigley coming in. And he was like... Um, Andy Lee was asked him, what do you make of it after your first loss? He had a loss there. And he says, uh, all of a sudden, people aren't patting you on the back and calling you champ anymore. And they treat you different. And all of a sudden, it's like you're soiled and damaged goods. And he's like, to be honest, Andy, I've been feeling it for the last couple of years because of my injuries. I haven't been fighting as much. And I've noticed that because they're starting to move away from me. And I know why. It's because I'm not making the money. And that's what it is. And he pretty much said it. He says, I'm going to get into trouble here. But there's not very many good personalities in this game. Should... Dillian White was done before. Now, seemingly it was accidental. Yeah. Okay. But if someone tests for drug enhancements or whatever mm-hmm. it is, should they be disqualified for life? Banned for life? Uh, one strike and you're out? Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a very strong case for it. But I understand also that Nowadays, with these feckin' sports scientists and uh, all that kind of crap, we have supplements coming out of their arse, not their ears, everywhere. And they're taking 15 tablets and they're all clean. and So they can easily make a mistake, and I understand that. This is where, I'm not saying one strike, you know, it, it depends. It, it, that's, that's the only reason why I'm like, it'll be very hard. Mm. Because there will be some people who are genuinely going to be banned from the game who trusted somebody and they probably thought this was grand but then afterwards it turns out it's now been banned and all that crap Yeah, but yeah it's one of the or I don't know I don't know I think to be honest it's just further hitting me hitting home to me that it's 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 in everything it's everywhere but it's disappointing isn't it uh, of course it is and the gas thing is it is out there they can pretend all they want the, the, the guys at the top it's fairly common knowledge they all did it and all got away with it and they've all passed with flying yeah, colours, yeah. especially the most famous one. He actually never failed the test, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Um, Carl Lewis has v- always been strongly rumoured. Very strongly rumoured. Always got away with it. All the 100 metre sprinters back then. Each and every one of them, apparently. It wasn't just Mr. Ben Johnson. It was them all. But so, they were just better at it. Yeah, because Limper Christie they were talking about as well. But then again, yeah. you got you go back to Stephen Roach. Yeah. Our own Stephen Roach. Who Paul you, Kimmage. And all, he, they keep banging a drum about them all. Yeah. Including so. him. And Stephen Kelly or Sean Kelly as well, apparently. So, you know, and nowadays it's probably a a lot more clever and a lot more advanced and a lot more cleaner and they can kind of get in and get out Mm. three or four weeks in advance and it's out of their system before they're in. But the juice or whatever it does is in you, even though you won't fail the test. Yeah, it's just barely disappointing and it just slaps you in the face every... And what was it? 60-something... They all were clean after London 2012, but it's up to 60-odd now who are getting done kind of historically yeah, and all this yeah. kind of crap. Chris Froome was given a Vuelta Espana tour only this week from 2011, so he's the first ever Briton to win a Grand Tour before Bradley Wiggins, even though he came second. And he's another, in, in inverted commas, alleged as well with all his mm. exemptions that well, he it's gets. It's very easy to throw that around, doesn't it? It's very mm. easy to say, well, you know, there's something there, someone said something. Yeah. 
and then for that to stick and it's that's a bit unfair like and certain sports as you, well. you don't think about it as much and it, and some of them may be, may be genuine you don't need it but so many of these sports now you just can't help but get that feeling like well, your you cyclings look, and your there's always been that thing of athletics is, and everything else is Messi or Maradona the, be, the best footballer to come out of yeah. Argentina but then you look at the, the obviously Messi or Maradona had a wild mm-hmm. life um, does that take away from his brilliance and put messy that little bit if you like the cl- if you like the clean cut lifestyle 100 percent, i'm sure people go oh, he's, he's the all-round professional all-round mm. nice guy but deep down you know we love a maverick and of course so he, so indeed he was but he actually did fail a drugs test now whether it was performance Hansen or not he still failed that test and got kicked out of the world cup um was he trying to do it to improve himself in order to do a job on that pitch that's a different story if he was well then yeah it's a disgrace regardless of whether you love him or not he was a great player and as which of which we all knew. Mm. But he potentially had to do that to get out on that field or it could have been just his copious amount of recreational ones that he has now. Yeah. <laughs> that he has I nowadays. haven't seen the film yet, but I want to go and see it. Oh, yeah. all day long. It's okay, anyhow, so we'll know more probably fairly soon, anyhow. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's a funny one and it's a sad one and... Uh, he can shut up moaning about not getting his title shot for the last two years. He's been giving it the big one, and now it turns out it could turn out that yeah, maybe he's getting yeah, maybe he's maybe that's why you're being ignored. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, so it's a funny one. Listen, I have a bet that I put on. I just oh. put it on the other day, and I said, "Well, I'm going to put it out there and see what people think." It's yeah. already on, so it's Are too you late. Mad? So I have a, a, a an accumulator for selections, and. There is a dodgy one, and it's the very first one. <laughs> right? It's Manchester United. It's a 50 to 1 shot. Get relegated. 50 to 1 shot. No, I wouldn't get the odds for that. Go 50 on. to 1. Finishing the top four, right? 11 to 10. West Brom to get promoted from the championship. Sunderland to get promoted. And Salford City to get promoted. So, Sunderland, Salford, United. Who's uh, West Brom from the championship. One from each division. What do you make of it? 50 to 1. United, solid. Can't say any reason why they can't. Have a chance. Have a sh- without a shadow of a doubt. Absolutely West Brom. Absolutely Sunderland. Salford, in theory, yes, but you just have to wait for that first game. Because, yes, they have good players on paper. Mm. Obviously, they have backing, and I presume they've bought seven or eight new players from God knows where. I've seen their name coming up on the, the, the screen at the bottom of Sky Sports. Genuinely, I don't know who some of them are, but they're League One slash Championship. I'm sure they'll get half decent one or two kids from the from the top leagues mm. now at this stage. So it'll be kind of after that first game, you'll go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you're yeah. you're bet solid. Yeah. Um, and ironically, it could be the other three that do it, and maybe you know you might just slip out. It could be a funny one, like um, oh yeah, well I'm 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 expecting the two two teams two in the middle. Salford, I think, might have a bit of power because they have the, yeah. the money, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. West Brom. They have Bilic in there. So I yeah. just thought, right, Bilic, and I'm looking at a couple of the players he brought in, I say, right, they have a chance. Sunderland, you just don't know, and Manchester United are in that shaky position. So th- for them, them two are my dodgy mm. ones. Mm. But uh, yeah, if you have a selection of four from the top four divisions in England, go for it. Uh, go for it. Send it in to Bet us. Let us know. Yeah. Um, sorry, I was scrolling down and down and down and down. Because McRae's done it again. He was one under literally about 20 minutes ago. He's now plus two after 11. At the WGC, it's, what's the fancy name? WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational. Now, who's top? John Rahm. John Rahm on six under with a couple to play. Patrick Cantlay, Nate Lashley. 
Bubba Watson and Cameron Smith are the okay, top five. So he's eight shots off the lead. <sighs> not a weekend, not a long weekend for him. Anyway, but uh, no fear of shame, of shame being there. But it doesn't matter. And Danny Willett there, thereabouts again. He's starting to rediscover his form because Jesus, he hit the the British Open, not the British Open, the Masters course after that one. So yeah, interesting stuff. So we'll see how that goes on over the weekend. Just to let you know, Shamrock Rovers finished two one, so they're going in with Brilliant. a one goal advantage going into Cyprus next week. And yeah, that's going to be a hot one. Thirty six degrees today. It was in Lords. The poor paddies are melting. Imagine a whole day on the beer like that in the sun. Ah, oh, crazy stuff. Uh, just a quick one, because I didn't see the game, but Mauricio Pochettino came out and apologised for Spurs tackling in pre-season match against Man United. Oh, did you see it? No. Uh, the El Sissoko stamp. Sissoko stamp. Speaking yeah. of which, did you see the tackle, the Sevilla player on the young fla for Liverpool? Liverpool? Now, I'm not giving them any context here, because it was a shocking tackle, but apparently one of their players was down, the kids still kept going, and one of them missed him. This fella came out a la kind of Argentinian football style and volleyed him and he done a spin he hit him that hard he kind of spun and hit the ground could have broke his leg and destroyed him but uh, yeah nice and tasty but apparently Van Dijk comes out of nowhere because he was in the dressing room I think getting checked he came out and kind of what's going on here did he yeah it was, and a couple of lads were like alright calm down calm down <laughs> that's what I heard I don't know what it is but there's apparently there's footage of Van Dijk comes out and goes alright what's going on here then did you see the new Juventus jersey the white one with the yeah. little kind of lighty pinky Light, yeah it's, it's a pinky orangey it's got ready yeah, crushed it's, strawberry salmon it's just, around, it's just around the collar and uh, uh, Soccer AM put their little headline on it going we're just going to put this here uh, we're just, uh, what, uh, we think this is the greatest jersey we're just going to put this here greatest jersey ever that's yeah something like that I what's the greatest jersey ever for you <sighs> there's a few good ones there is there's a few very, very good ones. Obviously, any of the old classic 88 up to 94 Adidas Ireland jerseys, like, because uh, it just takes you back. Um, classic. The Argies used to do a few cracking jerseys as well. Mm. The Dutch from 1988, I love that one. See, the, the orange always stands out, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, the Dutch are. Like, anytime I see it, every now and then, somebody's wearing a retro, like, oh, well played, son. Yeah, well yeah. played. Or Sweden from 94. I love that. You can see me team here. I'm all Adidas. But, no, I know we're looking back, but the, the German jersey that they had little three stripes going across ah, the front. Unbelievable. Of it, that was a great jersey. Simple, but, yeah. but brilliant, yeah. Um, of course, if you go back to the league, you'll always have your classic... For you, Liverpool and classic Man United yeah, like, and stuff like that. The one for me was when it was a white one, where they won the Cup Winners' Cup in 1990. Oh, yeah. Adidas again, you see? I see, it's Adidas again. And Adidas, I always well, like stand it. out. And, and Arsenal are back now. And they look good. And it's like the old school yellow and, na yellow and navy hint in the away jersey. It looks really good. I really like it. But yeah, I think it's a bit bold to put that out there. Yeah, it's not. And like, it's too white. Like it's all white. I presume it's white shorts and white. And I mean, Rona Socks. Ronaldo's going to be rolling around the place. There's going to be some serious stains in that, isn't there? <laughs> Will Paolo Dybala so be, be in tested? It? Will Paolo Dybala yes. in it? Because he's one of the rumors now that the merry-go-round's going to kick off this week allegedly. But we've been waiting on it. The merry-go-round's gone around Europe all we uh, all summer, but it hasn't really kicked into the UK. It hasn't kicked into England yet. It's wait. It's still waiting for that mm. one thing. Like, it, like it, 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 Arsenal came alive today. Yeah. Ceballos, Ceballos from Real Madrid and then some other playmaker or centre-half from Saint France. Saint yes. And um, but they bought him for 30 million and, yeah. but they've no money and they're, they're loaning them back. Why would you... 
Why would you spend 30 million if you have no money? See, this is why I think Arsenal are playing silly boogers. Mm. They, they, they have money. Mm. They're letting on they don't have money and they want to try and get, and Wil- are trying trying to get Wilf Zaha and the cheap. Yeah, and Spor- and Everton came into, into town on that one. Yeah. Um, apparently they're willing to come to the party. Um, Spores are... There's this merry-go-round of Ericsson, Lukaku and Dybala potentially going around at the minute. There's a rumour mill kind of going around, so we'll wait and see what happens with that. But yeah, nothing too much. Klopp came out this week and went, yeah, we probably will buy one player, but don't get too excited. It won't be a Galactico. Uh, as, his te- as his terminology was is, we've built a nice house here, now I want to live in it for a little while before I build it again. In other words, like I'm quite happy what I have. His, his actual term was, we're we need to be happy about living in this house. Yeah, simple as that. Yeah, so. And somebody asked him about bail, and he said another typical English term, I use not my cup of tea. <laughs> Is that what he said? <laughs> Aston Villa announced the signing of Manchester City, Douglas Louise. They've gone beyond £220 million in their spending. Their 10th summer signing. Now, we have seen team Fulham last year. I have a bad feeling about it. Yeah. Because there's not one feeling. player where I've kind of gone, oh yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Trezeguet came up, and I went, it's not Trezeguet. No, it's an Algerian or Egyptian Trezeguet. No, it could be good. Would you not try and get... It's a lot of players to try and get together. Would you not get the three forty million players? Yeah. That kind of proper star, lad. You know, and build a couple of these guys around. I have a bad feeling about it. That they'll be dead. I think they might do enough to stay up, but I think it, could, it, it won't be as high up as they think. No, it might be a struggle. All right, yeah. Anything else there, Dave? Um, Mick McCarthy, there's something I want to bring because we were having a good chat in the office uh, yesterday when we were talking about the under-19s because it was on while we were still in there. And then I seen a headline today with McCarthy saying he would be ready to pick Parrot if his club form continues. And I'm like, Ugh. the first half of what you said was good, the second half not so. Because as Chris pointed out, not me, and I'm jumping on it now because I agree with him, England are starting to move away from, oh, they have to be first teamers, they have to be. They're slowly starting to move away. They're kind of going, right, we're a bit desperate, we're a bit short. He seems to be the best player in that position. We're going to play him. We'll play Hudson Adoy. We'll play Sancho or whoever they are. Ireland have been stuck in this for 20 years, 30 years. They have to be first teamers. They have to be this. And these young guys don't get the little run out who could be the nugget that we need. Mm. And what that means in my eyes, I'm sure he said more, is he won't start that first game of the season. So therefore, he's not going to end up in the bloody squad if that's the case. You know, that's the fear I have. But I'm sorry, we are Wales and Northern Ireland. When we have a player like this, you bloody play him. Yeah. Ethan Ampadu, your Ben Woodburns, all these, you feckin' play him, and that's the end of it. And enough's enough. Is it, it is a case that you've seen. Sometimes an international career sparks a club career. 100%. So you've got and it might open the door for him yeah. at either Spores or another club, because he's like, I, I'm enjoying playing this. I, sorry, Spores, I need to play. And all of a sudden, and it certainly didn't do Declan Rice any uh, uh, harm. It's after putting him on the map in yeah. more ways than one, a club and country, um, his new country, that kind of thing. And then you're hearing about mm-hmm. the whole, oh, Kenny, the way he was like, oh, if the lads were treated a bit better, the way they, they probably would never have left and this, that and the other. And you're kind of going, and it, it was only mentioned yesterday, I went, if we got one out of that under-19 squad, job well done. But it should be, they should have, that's the way it should be. Somebody should come through. Like, I'd like to think when Kenny comes in, he will bring that one, a minimum one from his under-21 squad. And it should be the way now. We, we were in the last four yesterday, and you look who the other three were, it was France, Spain, and Portugal. Yeah. You know, stereotypical top nations who always spit out players, and we managed to get in there and break it into the top four. Germany or England, they weren't even there. So surely one of them is going to be in our squad within the next year, let alone... But there needs to be 
as Stephen was saying earlier on, there needs to be develop or money put into it from 100%. the FAI because you're not going to get that yeah. every tournament. But yeah, hundred percent to help us guarantee, 100%. not guarantee to help us give us a chance to get into more of those tournaments. Hundred percent because the clubs are probably the League of Ireland clubs, the local clubs, if you want to call them that. They're all putting everything they have yeah. into it. But the FAI aren't, and yeah. they need to put their money across um, to, to take it to the next level. So I don't think, and I'm not really giving out to him about it because he's only here for a year, and he needs—he absolutely needs to get us into that championship for the FAI's sake. And I think that's the way they got him in and didn't bring in Kenny straight away because they would have had to sack him if he didn't. Yeah. But I think this time next year, you won't hear the quote like that. He probably won't talk too much about him. He'll just be delighted from say very little about it, and then before you know, it, he's in the next squad. I'd say that's the type. He'll he'll give them all a go if they're good enough and the right attitude. I wouldn't. I think he might get a nod. He might come in. Like in my opinion, the Gibraltar game, one or two of them have to be brought in. Give them, a, especially the dodgy ones. Give them that fecking cap. I don't care. Yeah. Get them the cap, and you're stuck now. Yeah. Um. So it'll be interesting to see. But um. But you know, Mick McCarthy will do what Mick McCarthy. Uh, and look, I, he, I won't be overly. He's a job to get yeah. them qualified, and, and he, that's it. Yeah. And if he takes that gamble and it doesn't pay off, they'd be like, "What the feck?" So I don't think it'll happen within the next year. But hopefully, from then on, hopefully we'll see some sort. And just a very quick one, as we mentioned, yeah, Adair Manor is getting the Ryder Cup for twenty twenty six. Does money talk here? Uh, yeah, there was no process, there was no bidding, um, but the PGA came to Ireland to look at it last year and discussed it. And I, I had heard. A year and a half ago, that because he 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 done up the whole place. Oh, this time last year we were talking about it. Last year because they had a, a special day down there where they were all down playing the golf. It was kind of an open. But day the big pro am is not till next year. Yeah, so it, it just shows that he was aiming for this all along. And fair play, like he's got it, and we're delighted it's in Ireland. Too right, you it's know, great to but, have it back again. But there was no process really. No, and I don't think it's. I think I don't think it's forced. If you know what I mean, I think yeah, they have yeah, gone to people yeah. before, but I think. He must have planted a seed. He kind of, listen, I'll do this, 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 and whatever. And no doubt the boys in the background all shaking hands and whatever, and good luck. But from this time last year, we were all talking about going, apparently it's a rubber stamped. Mm. That, and obviously it's because of this, that we didn't know this side of it, but the rumours are coming out in the media that, yeah, pretty much a dare man has it in the bag. There's the Pro-Am in 2020 where Tiger and a lot of the big boys are coming over because they're all, they've done one or two things with JP and it's the kind of the official opening of the new one. Apparently it's going to be stunning. I'd well believe it. And it's built in a way, for this and for the masses. And once again, Ireland are going to showcase another great course and it'll be another And from great what tournament. I believe, the place itself, the clubhouse and everything, I can imagine. immaculate. Immaculate. And as for doing big, <laughs> unlucky son. <laughs> okay, listen, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Time to get out of the sweatbox. See you then.